story. Why were you drawn to that? Well, Alan Turing's famous prediction about the year 2000 did not come to pass. And in fact, the programs that compete every year in what's called the Loebner Prize, which is a specific Turing test that's been running since the early 90s, even the best of these programs generally only fools one judge if it's lucky. But what really caught my attention was that in the year 2008, the top computer program fooled three out of a panel of 12 judges, which of course is 25%. So it missed the famous threshold by just one vote. So I had this feeling of, it seemed that humanity had kind of dodged a bullet or, you know, this narrow squeeze for, uh, for our species. And it really excited me to think about what it might be like to get involved and sort of personally intercede, if you will, on <laughs> behalf of Homo sapiens. You were going to defend the honor of the human species. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, I, I know that you talked to a number of people, or I guess they're called confederates, who had competed in previous Turing tests in terms of you know, trying to be the most human human. What advice did they give you? There was a famous example in the early 90s of uh, science fiction author Charles Platt, who won the Most Human Human Award in, I want to say it was 1994. And when asked how he did it, his response was, well, I was moody, irritable, and obnoxious. <laughs> doesn't say much for human beings, does well, it? Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, it struck me as being this sort of bleak answer. And, and so to me, the question really becomes this sort of call to arms of what really does it mean to be human and to act human? And is just being myself enough? Or should I really prepare for this test the way that the programmers and the computer software is being prepared specifically to take it? So give me an example of this. I mean, what, what is, I don't know, typical computer speak as opposed to human speak? It's hard to say. There are a number of different types of chatbots, basically. So there are some chatbots, for example, that are designed to be extremely fluent on a very limited topic. So there was one in 1997 that spoke at great length about its opinions of Bill Clinton's second-term presidency. <laughs> and so if you also had strong opinions on Bill Clinton's second-term presidency, then you found you could sort of carry on for a surprisingly long time doing what seemed like exchanging political views, but in fact the program just had a sort of a giant index of things that it felt like saying about Bill Clinton and kind of stepped through them one at a time. If you tried to change the subject, you would find that it resisted any attempt to talk about anything else. There are other programs that are designed in more of what you might think of as a sort of crowdsourced or wiki-like structure. So, for example, the program Cleverbot has basically just been hanging out online for about 15 years, talking to people and writing down, if you will, everything that people say to it and sort of cataloging this giant database of real things that humans say. And so when you interact with a program like Cleverbot, you find that it can respond to a really dramatically wide range of topics. It'll correct your grammar if you try to speak in a foreign language. It'll sing famous song lyrics back to you. But what you start to realize with a system like that, it's not so much that you aren't talking to a human as you aren't talking to a human. And so when you start to ask it questions about itself, you can sort of reel out the sense that you're not talking to any one particular person, but this very strange collage of, you know, thousands of different people. 
It seems that there is a deep philosophical question in the competition that you participated in. What does it mean to be the most human human? What does it mean to act as human as possible? Yeah, I don't know that I have a single answer to that. But the book really became an exploration of what are the things that make communication work? I ultimately see the the questions of the Turing test as these practical questions of how do we connect with other people? What is the process by which these two strangers come together and start to really mean something to each other or reveal something about themselves to each other? And so for me, part of what I think is really productive about the Turing test is that the answers to how to do a good job in the Turing test become answers to how to do a good job when you sit down to coffee with an old friend and want to sort of catch up. Now, there are some remarkable stories of people who have been involved in the Turing test, either as competitors or actually, there's one remarkable story of one of the co-founders of the Turing test, a psychologist named, is it Robert Epstein? Yeah. Tell me what happened. Well, it's fascinating.